So what colour are these balloons? Sorry? Sure about that? You think they're orange? All right. It's always one. But closer to red than black, right? I want to follow up on David Shadbolt, who's a, 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 a prophetic friend of ours who comes over from time to time uh, from England to, to walk alongside us and sometimes give us insights and encouragement. And uh, he was talking about um, learning how to look behind the physical, learning how to not see life just in the tangible, but to recognize that behind the physical is the supernatural. There is... Um, a battle that goes on. Sometimes in some churches, all they do is harangue the darkness and Satan made me do this and all the rest. And they give way too much, I think, attention to Satan. Um, but the, you know, the, the reality of Jesus' life, death and resurrection was to say there is more to life than just what you see. There is more to life than just what you experience. There's, there's, there's a life behind that. It's actually the spiritual life. It's the life that actually is sustained through beyond death. It's, it's, it's the core of life. So that the, the key to finding life as human beings is to learn how to tap into the spirit. And that is tapped into whether we, we know it or not. I mean, the whole occult move, the whole um, fortune telling, all of that stuff, people are intrigued by it. People have a spiritual hunger. They will find it somewhere. Um, and so there's a... There's a a wisdom in beginning to reflect on what does life really mean and what makes me tick and what makes me actually live on this earth in a manner that is more than just surviving. Many people are just surviving. Many people are living now in fear. I mean, they fear of the contamination of the world. They fear, they're fearful of other people. They're fearful of Islam. They're fearful of everything. And so people shrink their worlds down to try and build security. And then if you've got enough money, you'll be secure. Or if you've got a nice friend or you've got a nice husband or a nice wife or you've got nice children, there's always shrinking down so my world can be safe. And of course we know that it doesn't remain that way for very long. And so there's an element of Christians are meant to be people, and we've heard the testimonies this morning, of with extraordinary hope in the midst of extraordinary suffering. It's always been we actually begin to come alive when we stop being afraid of life. We actually begin to become alive where we stop being afraid of dying. We, we, we begin to come alive when we stop being afraid of things going wrong. When we actually learn that life is all kinds of things. Life is not fair. Life is very unpredictable. And we're called to be more than survivors. And so David was saying, you know, we read from that Ephesians passage. I mean, how many of you, you know what it's like. You, you, something happens. And uh, how many of you have had bad moods? How many of you have just, you know, there's just something in the day. You just go, what? I don't know what it is. I just feel grim or I just feel heavy. You have that? You start, start beginning to look behind and say, so what's that about? And then you, then you come up to somebody or somebody comes up to you and you kind of snap at them and you say, sorry, I'm having a bad day. If you're really on top of it. Otherwise, you just offend them. But, you know, your mood or something that happens behind the scenes is impacting how you're living. Anybody ever had that? Few of us are dysfunctional. But we, we, we all have this kind of stuff where, or something beautiful happens. You know, you wake up in the morning, there's an email, you've just won $100,000. That probably would impact your day. And you might, your disposition, if you had an action replay of waking up and finding you've just won $100,000 and waking up and nothing's in the email you probably would be able to tell which was the day that you just got the 100000 And nobody would see anything. In the, they wouldn't see the money. They'd see something in you. All of that is, has spiritual roots. Nobody here is free. You all, every single one of us, are impacted by the spirit realm. You can deny it. That's fine. Because the spiritual realm isn't dependent on you. It's just when you know it, it helps. If you deny it, you live in your own resources, which is fine. 
but you have no power and no insight. And so you live by your circumstances and by your thoughts and by your intellect and by your relationships and you just kind of work your way through life. And many Christians do that. They give their heart to Jesus, as they say, and then they live their life just with Jesus as the rubber stamp on top. It doesn't look extraordinary. It doesn't look very different. Um, they get offended really easily. They don't believe in God's got any power to heal. They get you know what the story is. Some of us are them, or maybe not, teasing you. Everybody here, by the way, is totally incomplete. You've got huge blind spots. Your ignorance is, is, would fill the Encyclopedia Britannica. Don't be offended. Mine would fill two, two volumes, actually 15 volumes, maybe 1,000 volumes. But it's really helpful if you actually know that you have limitations. As Paul says, that you live, see through a glass darkly. It's most depressing if everything lands on my shoulders. So all of this is to say that we read out of Ephesians as Paul speaks after being a Christian for maybe 30 years in, in a climate, political climate and a, a circumstance that would have killed most of us. We would have said, if God loves me, why on earth is all this happening? I'm actually going, I've given up my job. I probably, and, and it's probable that Paul's wife didn't actually follow him, that, that she couldn't handle what happened to him. And so there's an element of this. These guys had tragedies happen. And he, he goes around driven by this passion for saying there is more life than what I thought. And this person, Jesus, is alive. And he starts going through very hostile territory and going through lots of suffering, gets beaten up. And yet his, his letters and his disposition is one of victory because he ultimately says, you can't hurt me. You can hurt my body, but you can't hurt me. You can have my body. You can kill it. And so that was what was so compelling about these early Christians because they didn't behave like the others. Do you want something? You can have it. Their generosity was great. They didn't look like the other people because their actions and their lifestyles and the way they did things were so different. It was so disarmingly not tied to the things that the non-Christians were tied to. There's a spiritual battle. What makes you come alive? What gives you security? What gives you purpose in life? What gives you a sense of identity? What gives you hope for the future? You would have to have a lobotomy and, 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 and sort of uh, read the power of positive thinking every day to think that there's a lot of hope in this world if you just limit it to the evidence. We are going down the tubes with rocket boosters. We're clinging on to uh, you know, Mother Earth we're finding false idols and all kinds of things that are not, not worthwhile considering. They're just not God. We live in a schizophrenic world. Excuse the name, but it's true. We live in a schizophrenic world where we abort the babies and save the penguins. I mean, there's so many things that we do that don't make any sense because we are a people without a shepherd. We're a people who have lost our way. And so the Christians have an incredible opportunity in this totally screwed up world, which is exactly the same probably as it's always been, to give some evidence of something else. And so Paul writes in Ephesians, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil's schemes are to keep us believing that we need to be self-sufficient, that God doesn't care, that he is powerless, and we don't have much hope because you can't make a difference. You're a victim of your circumstances and you'll never get free. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's a lot of stuff. Shoot, let's give up. The rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Well the good news is that all those heavenly realms were actually defeated by Jesus at the cross. Some people have taken up the 
apparently spiritual task of fighting Satan and you know, duking it out with darkness, which is like, why would you, as the song says, fight a battle that's already been won? You see, the victory, because of what Jesus has done, is not fighting the battle again so that you can earn it. It's actually being confident of what he has won, and that means you take hold of what he has won. And as soon as you stand up and say, um, well, I know the battle's been won, so I don't have to fight you, and I'm actually with him, so he is with me. Therefore, in the spirit realm, my security is visible. You see, the spirit realm is like working with uh, x-ray glasses. The spirit realm sees things that the natural world doesn't see. So in the spirit realm... The spirit realm can, can look across this room right now and see everybody who's secure in Jesus, those who are not sure, those who are totally disengaged. It, it, it's like a, it's, there's no hiding. So you go, wonder who's wearing the belt of truth today. And the spirit realm just wanders. And if I'm of the dark side, I say, oh, 80% are totally exposed. They're beltless. So we got them. We don't actually even have to fight. You can let the, the guys sleep in. We just need two. We'll take this crowd. They don't believe we exist. And they actually have a counterfeit belt anyway. This is actually good news by the end of the day, don't worry. But there's a point where we are so arrogant and we're suddenly so blind and so dumb sometimes we don't see what the battle is. And I, I, I've prayed this morning that God gives us a revelation of his goodness. You see, the victory is not in our strength, it's in his presence. The victory is not in how hard we fight, it's who we stand next to. Some people take the belt of truth and say, I put on the belt of truth this morning. You say, what was that like? Why did you take it off? Put on the garment of God every morning. Why do you take it off? Because in your mind you think it's the stuff. Paul's using an image, but he's not saying take it off in the evening, put it on in the morning, so what do you do at night? I don't know, live in hell. I mean, there's, a, there's an element of these are, are, are images to, to teach us something. And so one of the ways you hear this taught is, um, well, the belt of truth is, is the word of God. So I believe in the Bible. And so you hold this thing up and say, this is the belt of truth. And you go, yeah, it is. It's a buckle. But the belt of truth, the Bible in itself can be misused. People use it all the, way, all the time. The Bible, you can quote the Bible and it's got nothing to do with truth. It's just got to do with you winning an argument. So if the belt of truth is an intellectual understanding of the biblical substance that's going to give you strength, you'll be taken out before you start. And you know who will take you out? Another Bible person. Because they'll spend all their time. He said, they haven't been on the battlefield for 20 years. They've actually been cloistered down here arguing about scripture. So we defeated them before they got on the battlefield. See, the belt of truth is a person. Because Jesus walked this earth and he says, I am truth. So the good news is that I don't have to find out, I've got to, how much do I need to know before truth will hold me? How much do I need to understand before truth will keep me safe? How many degrees do I have to have? And if I go down that road, then only a very, very small percentage of the world's population will ever even qualify. That's arrogant teaching from professors because intellectual knowledge is not required to put on the belt of truth. Not, I love intellectual knowledge, but it's totally unnecessary in the sense of it's not a requirement because every requirement that is in the scriptures for human beings to live in victory has to be accessible to everyone. It cannot be dependent on your wealth, your status, your race, or anything else. It cannot be anything that you can earn to, to, to warrant it. That's why the cross is a level ground. And that's why everything God gives us to equip us has to be beyond the realm of my achievements. Isn't that cool? That means nobody here is disqualified and you cannot get it. We have shrunk-wrapped it and we've shaped it so that we can go, well, I've got three degrees so I can be a pastor now and I've got, I know all the knowledge and yet I fall and screw up my life completely. Guess how much that worked? I'm a great testimony to how knowledge doesn't save you. I don't think knowledge is a bad thing and Oxford is still a good name drop, but it doesn't save you. Nor does it save you to go, oh, but I can't understand any of that. I'm not intellectual. 
Oh, so you're just going to be Dumbo and that's going to work. That false humility that's scared of actually trying and so you just absent yourself because I don't like reading. You know, the high intellectual and the low, whatever you want to call it, neither are allowed to disqualify themselves because of themselves. God says, put on the belt of truth. And all I'm going to do today is talk about truth as a relationship. The truth is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the doorway to God. Jesus is highly offensive. No one else comes to God but by me. So in Canada, be prepared to be imprisoned. That is too politically incorrect. But truth is what sets you free, he says. The truth will set you free. So what is truth? That's what Pilate asked Jesus. Let's watch this video. Guess what it's about? Red balloons. This is a red balloon. It's true, it's red, we all know our colors. The absolute truth is that this balloon is red. No, it's not. That's green. What? This right here is a green balloon. That is the prettiest yellow balloon. <laughs> yellow? This, this is red. Yeah, come over here. No, it's green. It's red! Yeah, I know, it's a red balloon. Hey, will you look at it from my point of view, please? What? Hey, nice blue balloon. <gasps> it's blue. green! Green? It's red. What? Why are you saying it's red when it's blue, huh? It's totally purple from here! Purple? Okay, you know what? Let's just settle this once and for all, okay? Where are you going? Hey, what color is this balloon? I only see in black and white. Hey, Mark, what color... There is no balloon. This is ridiculous! Hey, I know what the problem is. Look, um, my mom taught me that this was blue. But, um, you know, then she said this is red and green, yellow, you know, and on and on. <laughs> okay, I get that your mom taught you that that was blue, but, I mean, that's not the truth. Whoa, why are you talking bad about his mom? Yeah. I'm not. Listen, I respect your mother. Thank you. And the way she raised you. She taught you that it was blue. Our moms taught us that it was red. That's the way it goes. I thought you said it was green. It is green. See, I'm smart. I went to college. And in college, I learned all these different theories about color. Really? And my color professors who have doctorates in color... Do you have a doctorate in color? Uh, no. It shows. Okay. <laughs> they can't even agree on one theory of color, so you have to look at all the different theories and pick which one works best for you. And green is great for me. That makes sense. Thank you. No, you can't just pick whatever color fits your life the best. Red is red. Okay, do you know the word intolerant? Yeah. Because that's what you're being right now. All right, you're shoving your opinion down my throat. Okay, it's not my opinion, it's the truth. <laughs> hold on, hold on. All we're saying is that we need to stop arguing about trivial things. Like truth. You know, the funny thing about truth is, it's true, whether you believe it or not. That's why we've got red balloons. I mean, that's, that's a stupid little sketch, but it's how we live. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me that I should be something. It's all a matter of opinion. Don't offend me with your principles. It's, that is the mindset of our age. It is as stupid as that. And Jesus came into a world just like that too. And he said, I am the truth. That's why he was crucified. He wasn't crucified because it was a, a, a debate. It was a, he, he stated it categorically. He said, I am the truth. And we who are Christians have got seduced by the enemy to be totally insecure about almost everything about Christianity. He doesn't have to use war weapons that are violent. He just seduces us through our minds, through our emotions, so that we actually are so insecure we cannot stand on anything. And that's why Paul says, put on the belt of truth so that you can stand. That doesn't mean you stand self-righteously. It just means you stand confidently. I don't have to beat you up to stand in truth for me. But I don't have to say truth for me is all there is. Do you realize that the truth that is bigger than me is good news? Well, you're not sure. I'll use my old illustration because I can't find another one. This thing. Some of you recognize it. I say to this thing, so, what should we call you, Ringo? What are you? I'm round, I'm rusty, I'm old, 
and my life is now reduced to a balloon weight. And what's your evidence for who you are? I look in the mirror. This mirror is for sale, by the way, for $25. I look in the mirror, and I see my reflection. And in our culture right now, that is the evidence of my truth. That is my truth. I am what I see. And if it's true for me, then respect my truth. That is what you have. This is the truth that we have without God. Because it is called a closed system, a closed universe. It's it's, it's called looking at life from my perspective where I am at the center. And so truth is all about how I see the world around me. The scary part is I also give that authority beyond what it should have. So my truth is now that I'm round, I'm, I'm brown, I'm rusty, and that's who I am. And you go, well, Ringo, the only way that you would know that that's not the whole truth for you is if you get a revelation. The only way that you'll know that there's more to your life than what you see in the mirror and what you interpret through what you see in your reflection is to get information that is not easily available to you, where somebody comes and actually shares information with you that you didn't have before. And they say to you, hi, Ringo, my name's John. I found you in a pond off the coast of Africa 30 years ago. On that coast, there were a lot of shipwrecks. And you are actually a a mast stay. In other words, you were actually created to be on a a sailing boat with a wooden mast through here, stays on here, and you were meant to be flying across the ocean, and you were meant to be going from country to country, and you were meant to be carrying things backwards and forwards, and you were part of that. You ended up being shipwrecked, and you ended up in an ocean, which was actually violent to you because you weren't created to be in that environment and survive. So what happened was that environment began to distort you and misshape you until you actually almost don't resemble what you were first created to be. You and I are like Ringo. Our truth is what we see. Our reference points depend. The only way that I, I, I still got to get Gary to make me one of these, a new one. But there's a sense of a new, put, bring a new one and place it here and say, that's what you were meant to be. That's what you have become. What's the truth? The truth about this is far bigger than this. What if Jesus came into this world to stand next to each one of us who resemble this? We've been destroyed by the environment, by the evil, by the whole destructiveness of our environment and we have become somebody totally distorted what do you do when somebody you love gets distorted now we live in a world of distortion so it's like Isaiah says you know I'm a man of unclean lips living among a people of unclean lips so you know we get Ringo and Ringette and they stand by side by side and they just affirm each other's rusty screwed up state oh you can feel better you should see somebody else they've got a few more barnacles on or whatever so we have actually fashion contests as to how to make this thing look beautiful god loves round you work out something but it's not the truth it's about how to survive as this and you've lost your way because you actually didn't even know that you were meant to be at a totally different realm you weren't meant to be under the in a rock pool you weren't meant to be a visual aid you were meant to be something that was part of a greater scheme a sailboat This cannot know the full truth of itself without revelation beyond itself. Jesus came into this world and he stands behind us and he stands next to us as we heard like the shadow. And he says, do you want to know who you were meant to be? First of all, look at me. Because in me will be your clues. When you see me, you've seen the Father. When you've seen the Father, you've seen your Father. When you've seen me, you've seen your brother. When you've seen me and the Father and you feel the Holy Spirit, welcome to the family. Oh, I thought I was alone. No, you were part of something much bigger, like a sailboat. You were part of something much bigger. Now what? Well, it's your lucky day, because I'm actually not here just to tell you how screwed up you've become. I'm here to be a restorer and a friend and bring you back into all that you lost. 
when I'm more comfortable like this, it's going to hurt. Trust me. Jesus said, truth will set you free. I've come that you might have life to the full. I might come that you might have joy to the full. You cannot have life or joy to the full without God taking hold of you. You cannot have life and joy to the full without him beginning to restore you from the inside. And I guarantee every single person sitting here, if I asked you to come up and boast about yourself, would find it easier to tell people, if you had the guts, about your incompleteness than your completeness. And those of you who, you know, who might want to come and boast about your completeness might probably need to be more aware of the other side. We need both, but there's only, you need a revelation of this in order to have a revelation of the other. The truth will set you free. All people are sinners. All have gone astray. All have lost their way. Everyone. There's no one righteous. Look, it does this every time. Little pieces fall off. It wasn't even rehearsed. But you have to take this stuff off if you're going to put new stuff on. So when you put on the belt of truth, what does it mean? Well, the belt of truth shows you who you are. It shows you your incompleteness. It shows you... It doesn't show you all at once. You see, the belt of truth is like the presence of Jesus. So he stands next to you and he starts saying... Well, where can we start this conversation? If I tell you this today, you won't even listen. You'll be too threatened. So I'll start by telling you that I love you, that you really are a treasure. That, I mean, this is precious. And you go, oh, it's just a ring. He said, have you any idea what it is? It's like the Antiques Roadshow. You know? Have you any idea what it is? And the antique, I love the Antiques Roadshow for that because they go, oh, this is just a piece of junk I found in my grandmother. And they said, well, you're a piece of junk and you found it in your mother. You know? No, this is a treasure. Where did it come from? I made it. I made this. And I made it, you know, you know, I made this, and they lo- he looks at you and he says, you like art? How did you know? I made you. I know there's a cry in you for expression, but you've got lost there. And what about this? And he'll identify the things that you actually dreamt about and you never became because you didn't have the environment to release it. The truth didn't set you free because the opposite of truth is lies and discouragement and fear and failure and destruction. And so now, you see, the balloons are red in the spirit, in the natural, they may be green or yellow. And God sees them as red because he says, I made red balloons. Well, I've just been yellow all my life. He says, I made you red. Am I getting through to you? Many, many of us have given up on the restorative process. We settle for so little. We debate ourselves into justifying this existence. Well, I make a lot of money like this. I've done well for myself. You have, but you're still a rusty old ring. And you were never meant to be that. And when you knock on heaven's door, he's going to say, what happened to you? Well, I'm the CEO of a company. He said, but I didn't even create you for that. That's why you were unhappy half your life, but you never told anybody. As my godfather said, I'm a self-made man. And God said, well, I'll have to unmake you then because that's not what I made. And he did. He broke him on the floor at 2 o'clock in the morning. Your freedom comes when you suddenly breathe a sigh of relief and go, I'm not all there is to my life. So you look in the mirror and you see who you are warts and all, and Jesus stands behind you and says, let's move on from here. But he says, I want you to hear something. I love this. I love you here, the cliche is, but I don't want you to leave you here. And so putting on the belt of truth is beginning to walk with Jesus and say, Jesus, what is your truth that you're working out in me today? For some it will be, I just want you to know that you're not alone and that I love you and I've got you. For others it will be, let's begin to pull this out of you, but in order to pull this out of you, this has got to begin to let go of. But the way he usually do, he wants to do it is he wants to speak to you from the inside. Now, this is a solitary figure in a, re, in, in, a, in, a, in a mirror and you get some revelation like that. But according to the Bible, that's not going to be enough. So in order for restoration to happen, God takes you and he places you within the context of church. And to show you something next week, I put it in the trail notes. Church is a messy place because when you put a whole bunch of these people together, it's messy. Rust falls off, attitudes show, incompleteness shows, insecurity shows, you know, 
Bible verses show. It's messy. But you see, the truth is about... I mean, you can have a Bible study and we need actually more of them in this church because this is actually something about the history of God and God's engagement with human beings. But there are a lot of people who are terrified of putting this book down. And so this becomes a half-truth because the Bible actually points to relationship. And you remember actually Jesus when he was walking on the road to Emmaus with the two men, the men who were totally disillusioned after the crucifixion. And they said, didn't you know? And he opens the scriptures and he reads to them words that they knew but they didn't know. In other words... This book is full of revelation that needs to be looked at again and again because it will bring, and God will bring, historical insight into your present that will inform you. But you need the humility to say, I need to know God more. So part of the restoration is about how do I know God better and then how do I walk with my brothers and sisters together in relationship because through them as well, I'm actually going to be made more whole because His Spirit is going to breathe in me life and I'll get revelation. Have you found out yet, walking in community, that you're not as perfect as you thought you were? Have you found that you're not quite as loving as you thought or forgiving as you thought or quite as humble as you thought? That you're actually maybe more opinionated than you thought? That you've got more barriers up than you thought? I mean, without being in community, you can be pretty cool. You can self-select. So we all agree that I am great. But you go into community where not everybody thinks you're great. Then you're open to offense and you're open to all kinds of things. And then you have to start looking at yourself saying, you're actually quite easy to offend. I mean, every week I talk to you and there's another issue you're dealing with. Somebody has hurt you, somebody's this, somebody's that. You've got a lot of issues. I mean, you, you seem to be very important. Well, the truth will set you free. You are important to Jesus, but you also have to learn to bow the knee and wash people's feet and get over yourself. So it's messy. Put on the belt of truth. And you will stand. I'm closing. Don't worry. The belt of truth is nearly over. What is, I think, what is God saying? You see, why do you think we, we, in our church over the past year or two, have started saying we need to make declarations? Why do we need to speak out worship and sing out worship with passion? Because we're declaring truths that we don't necessarily yet see. You sing about he will reign, Jesus is Lord. Well, I might have come in here saying, I'm, I've got this volume of stuff. I, I might have a diagnosis that I'm scared of. I might have a situation that I'm scared of. I don't see Jesus as Lord now. I see this thing as Lord. And God says, let me pick you up. Chill out. Because I promise you, as soon as this situation is over, three weeks down the road, you'll have another one. And if it's not that, it'll be this. And then you'll go on a cruise. I always go on the cruises thing. You'll go on a cruise and, and you'll break your arm. Oh, what a, where a genius. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just like, what the heck? And it's got nothing to do with God being unfair. He just says, life is like that. Slippery decks aren't my problem. And so there's an element of God is God. He is good. He is kind. He is with us all the time. And you start making declarations over your life that we heard from Chris's mother. I've forgotten your first name. Debbie. You know, you start making declarations that I am a warrior. Why? Not because I'm strong. I just keep company with a warrior. I'm not a warrior, I'm a warrior because I keep company with the one who is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. So when I walk in the room, I can look like a little mouse, but I've got a lion next to me. That's why everybody parts the way. It says, bye, you have authority. It's just him. The spirit world recognizes him. Don't mess with John. Why? Not because John's great. Look at his story. No, because he seems to walk as if he doesn't have one. Why? Because it's been set free. Why? Because the truth is I've forgiven you. Why? The truth is I've redeemed it. Why? The truth is I'm not going to use it to hit the enemy over the head with the very thing he's trying to hit other people over the head with. It's a real pain to see people who are screwed up free because Jesus is present. You want to see my scars? I'll boast about my scars. So I want to encourage us today to believe the truth that Jesus with us accomplishes everything. And so he wants to work in us. He wants to work around us. He wants to work through us. I want to encourage us to say, Lord, is the balloon I'm seeing red? To have a humble spirit that is always saying, Lord, am I where you want me to be? And he'll always give you people around you 
Not just your favorite one who just, every time you go and talk to them, they say, yes, you're wonderful, John. No, people who will actually, together we discern things that maybe we didn't discern before. But it doesn't have to be a crisis. It just becomes revelation of truth. And we also realize that Paul, as Paul, that this journey that we're on is never ending. You're never going to get to the place where you're going to come up and say, I finally graduated. You're looking at truth. This is it. Because then you'll go, there's no hope. It's, it's an ongoing, ongoing work. And so you become unafraid of looking in the mirror because Jesus starts showing you. He says, I'll show you things that 10 years ago I wouldn't show you. You weren't mature enough to deal with that. You would have just got angry. Now I'm going to show you that because I'm maturing you. You're going to have to look at this now. I let you get away with it. And other people are really tired of it in you. They don't know how to tell you. And yes, I'm pleased with you. You, you know, that's never a change. But this needs to change if you're going to move on. And so we just need to not be surprised and to actually go, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching me more. Thank you that you're actually, it's not always fun, but most of the time it doesn't, I don't think it has to be that bad. Because you're being made, it's called going from glory to glory. Let's stand. I want to pray over you and I want you to just ask God what he's saying to you this morning about uh, the truth for yourself. What are you believing? Um, in, in the spirit world, uh, lies can become truth. In the spirit world, you have listened to negative things for so long that they have become true for you. It's called a curse. And so, Father, I ask right now that any, any word that we are still believing over ourselves that is both negative or has crippled us or caused us to give up, I, I, I speak in Jesus' name, I break those lies. And I speak a revelation of eyesight so that you actually begin to see the lies for what they are, that they are not true, that your unworthiness or your shame or your guilt, those are all things Jesus has taken on the cross and you do not have to live under them. And for some of you, you have made friends of the lies and you actually enjoy them because they give you excuses. And we break that in the name of Jesus. That I pray, Father, that from this day, those excuses will not be convenient anymore. You'll hate them that we will hate them. We will be tired of our excuses. We will be tired of blaming. If you want to, to spot the things that lie to you, they come clustered with blame, victims, victim mentality in the name of Jesus. That's how you spot them. They're about not taking responsibility for your life and, and causing everybody else to be responsible for you. That is always demonic. But today the good news is that when you spot that, you just say, Jesus, I release this. I renounce this in your name and I ask you to come and fill me with a spirit of truth. And you take the opposite and you take it upon yourself that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am a child of the living God. I am a son. I am a daughter of the King of Kings. And it's not just the power of positive thinking. You've picked me up out of the ocean like that ring and you've said, welcome home, my child. And yes, life has done a number on you, but it is not over yet. And we're going to rise up and we're going to be restored and redeemed. And you're going to resemble something and someone that nobody ever thought you could be, let alone yourself. And so, Father, I call up faith to believe for what we don't yet see. And I repent and I speak repentance over this body where we've held ourselves or others in boxes that we won't let them out of because of something they've done in the past. And we repent of that because it's an easy and lazy way to live. We repent of our self-righteousness. We repent of any smugness or pride that we walk around thinking I'm better than they are. Father, we, we just say, take that away. Forgive us. Forgive us where our identity has been built upon making sure somebody else isn't as good as I am. Forgive us where our qualifications, which are usually the fruit of privilege as well as work, have become our status symbol. We repent of that because entrance into the kingdom is through the cross. And stature in the kingdom is through an identity won for us under the blood of Jesus, through no works of ours. And operating in the power of God's spirit is because of his grace and his goodness and his presence. So, Father, that's what we want to manifest here. And we bless you that we all qualify for that.
So rise up, brothers and sisters, into the truth of your inheritance in Jesus. Rise up as sons and daughters of the King. You are all warriors. We are all warriors. Be done with those days where we give up. Be done with those days where we gossip. Be done with those days where we pull one another down. Of course we have to talk about things, but we talk about them in order to be free. So Father, let revelation be released over this body this morning. Revelation of your goodness. Revelation of our condition, but revelation of hope because of Jesus. And I pray that you release in us a sense of encouragement and anticipation of what is to come. So that you, you say to Jesus this morning, what have you taken hold of me for that is still not yet worked out in me? Because I, I, I want to go quicker with you. And if you're, if you're someone who isolates and you don't operate within the body, then you need to stop doing that. I can't sugarcoat this. Because we need one another for the full revelation and the outworking of God's Spirit in real life. And so, Father, we break fear of being engaged, fear of commitment, fear of relationship. We just break it. And we just call up in this place joy and life and friendship as we adventure together into the more that you have for us. So put on the belt of truth this week and never take it off. The belt of truth is the relationship with Jesus who is truth and who will work out his truth in the company of you with others. That's why we break bread together as a symbol of our need and interdependence.